Welcome to the Eat This, Not That podcast. I'm John Hammond, and this is Megan Murphy. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, indeed. This is episode one of our second year. So love it. Very exciting and excited to kickstart the new year. And, and that's what this episode is all about, right? We're going to help you with some easy and fun tips to jumpstart the new year. Love that. Because how are you feeling after the holidays? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm so happy. I love right. the holidays. However, I'm definitely feeling a little bloated, yeah. just somewhat run down from all the eating and drinking and partying and just being off my schedule, you know? What about you? I th- it's, look, same. And, it, and it's because I do what, what so many of us do. And I, and I fully own this. I, I let go. Like yeah, those last few, to. those last few weeks of the year, I just say, screw it. Enjoy. And, you know, so it's holiday parties baked goods, treats, candies, alcohol, yeah. like all, all that stuff just kind of adds up. And, and I just say, you know, screw it. I'll get back to, you know, once it hits January, I'll, I'll square back up and get ready for the new year and, and get things going. Yeah. And I think a lot of people a lot of are people with do you on that, that right? for but sure. The challenge is a lot of people, I think, go, you know, all in. And they go too hard, too hard and they're too like fast. first week like juice cleanse, cleanse, no, yeah, like no solid, no solid food. <laughs> yeah. Or they run to the gym and yeah. they're doing like five group exercise workouts like yeah. a week, and, and then they, when they were move. doing nothing, right? Where you're just kind of like slothish for for a few weeks, and and that's the thing. It's like look. New Year's is now, and, and, and you might not be ready to dive full-blown into your New Year's resolution. because And you, and you shouldn't be, by the way. Like, give your, be kind to yourself. Like, yes. give yourself a little bit of transition time here. And just at least be, be aware that you, you need to kind of get back on track if you let yourself go at the end of the year, like I did, of course. Um, but, you know, baby step it and, and kind of ease yourself into it. Because at the long term, it's going to, it's going to be much better for you, by mm-hmm. the way. Because... You know, all those people crowding the gym now are not going to be there two weeks from now because they're home with ice packs and heating pads yeah. and taking a hot shower because they're sore. So what we have here is some some nice tips to kind of help ease you into the new year. And it's little things that, you know, look, it's, it's not say like, hey, do all of these things, but like find a couple that will work for you. Give it a shot. And here's the thing, like it's, it's like that snowball rolling downhill, right? It starts real small, but as it builds momentum, as it gets to the bottom of the hill, it's like a giant, like it's going to take your house down kind of thing. So this is what we want to do. We want to start the ball rolling and hopefully by the end of the year, you've a giant snowball that's just going to just destroy your new, new year's resolution goal, <laughs> whatever, whatever it might be. It feel great. Yeah. So let's, let's get started. Let's start small. Yeah. Let's start small. I mean, like you just mentioned, come January, there's that crazy mad dash to get to the gym. People are all freaking out and running to the gym. And, but after weeks and weeks of less activity, way more indulging over mm-hmm. the holidays, a couple hard workouts may actually do you more harm and set you back rather than energize you and motivate you to keep going. So do yourself a favor. Instead of waiting to to take all those five classes you mentioned at the gym, sneak in steps all day long. So maybe invest in a Fitbit or a tracking yeah. device. And your goal should be to try to hit at least 10,000 steps a day. It may sound like a lot, but you'd be shocked at how quickly you can get to the 10,000 mark just by kind of walking around. Maybe once in a while, take the stairs instead of the elevator. Get up a few more times during the day to get water, whatever it may be. So if you do miss a workout, you know you've already hit 
hit some of that momentum, you got movement going, and it won't throw your progress off track. And I'm a huge fan of this, by the way. Um, I have literally everyone in my family in our in our household has a uh, a step tracker. Step tracker. The boys the boys have it. I have it. Natalie has it. Do you guys get competitive? We uh, (laughs) Dylan, the six year old, gets uber competitive, and we literally had to stop the practice of saying what our our steps were at the end of the day because if he didn't come in first, it would like he would have problem going to sleep. So so now we just we just keep those scores to ourselves. But here's here's what I like about this, by the way, is is and it doesn't have to be like a full blown smartwatch. It could be a pedometer, like like you're saying. But if if you it could be a smartwatch and it can it can kind of urge you into other things like standing up every hour mm-hmm. or take a take 30 seconds to just breathe and, and yes. kind of give yourself a pause. I love those little nudges that we all need because it's easy to lose track of the day. And when you have that that steady reminder, that constant reminder of like, okay, I want to get my 10,000 steps. And look, I have no idea if 10,000 steps is the magic number. It doesn't matter. It's a good number. And if you're getting 10,000 steps a day, you're getting up and you're moving around yeah. quite a bit more than you probably are right now. Unless like you're like a mailman or something. Like, you have a job <laughs> yeah. that, that entails yeah. a lot of walking. But I was shocked. Like when I first started wearing one, I was shocked at how few, how far away from 10,000 I was. Mm-hmm. And then you, like you said, like I started thinking like, okay, like I'll get off like a subway stop earlier. I'll take the stairs instead of taking yeah. the elevator because it's only four flights. And then you realize, I'll go, oh my God, I'm winded after four flights. Like I'm going to start taking the stairs all the time now. And it's those little things that start to pile up and add up. And it's just because you have this little reminder. And because, like I said, because the family's all involved, like we do, there is this kind of communal support that happens mm-hmm. and a little competition that happens, which, which is, which is healthy, healthy for yeah. the most part. And I've got the kids, you know, they, they, they think about being active during the course of the day. They're not sitting there for, you know, for too long in front of the Xbox or with their, with their Amazon Kindles. Like they go out and they play baseball or they'll walk the dog or they'll ride their bikes. And, that's a really amazing thing and, and it's sparked by this this little device so yeah it's fun and it's almost mm-hmm. like a, like a game you know you challenge yourself and at the end of the day to be able to like cross that mental box off like I achieved that goal right. it's, it feels good it, it's feels a great. feel great thing yeah and it's that it's that little thing that, that I mean to me this is great because it's a perfect example of a little thing that can spark something much bigger mm-hmm. absolutely Look, another another good good idea to start the new year is to schedule schedule tea time. And love I'm, tea yeah, time. I'm not talking about golf. Pinkies I'm not up. Ta- yeah, I love uh, tea no, to that kind of tea I'm time. not talking about that kind of tea. It's <laughs> yeah. too too cold here for that. <laughs> um, but look, if you're feeling uh, you know a little down after after the end of, of last year, you can get back on track pretty quickly by drinking green tea every day. Try this for the first week of the year. Right, just say every day I'm going to have have a cup of green tea. In a recent 12 week study, participants who drank four to five cups of green tea daily. Then did a 25-minute workout. Could be a walk. Could be could be something simple and, and mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't have to be like full hit like high intensity interval training workout. Um, they lost an average of two more pounds and more belly fat than the non tea drinking exercisers. So I say that to illustrate that tea has something that uh, a lot of other drinks might not have, and it's uh, catechins. That's C-A-T-E-C-H-I-N-S if you want to look it up. It's a type of antioxidant that triggers the release of fat from fat cells and helps speed the liver's capacity for turning fat into energy. So tea is is definitely had a, had a health moment in 2018 and yeah, for, for good reason. And this is this is about green tea. There's all kinds of different teas out there. It's if, if you try anything, like again, green tea once a day, try it for a week, two weeks and, and see, yeah, how see, how you, you see how you look and feel. You know, swap it out for your afternoon coffee or, or that second cup, you know, in the in mid morning, if you will, or before you go to bed. Maybe not before you go to bed because it still has caffeine. You want to be careful of that. But 
I mean, th- this is the example of little things that can have a big impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another one is uh, stop eating after sunset. Big fan of this one. Yeah, for sure. It might be a little hard this time of year because it gets dark at around 4.30. Yeah, right, exactly. But as a general idea, like make winter short days an advantage. Use the last of the sunlight as a cue to stop eating for the day. Maybe it's not at 4.30 mm-hmm. when the sun sets now, but just don't eat late at night. Um, I think that's really important year-round. Um, it may help you lose weight even if you eat more throughout the day, which is really interesting. So according to a study published in the journal Cell Metabolism, that's what happens. Even if you eat more during the day, if you stop eating earlier, then uh, you're going to lose weight. And I've actually, uh, so basically like the technical term for this is intermittent fasting. Yep. And and what you're doing is you're, you're going on a prolonged fast every day. And that could be, you know, 16 hours for some, it could be 12 hours, 14 hours. And that's why a simple way of doing this is saying like, okay, after, after sundown, I'm not going to eat anymore. And then you eat a breakfast and, and you're probably, you're probably a good 10, 12 hours. And they say that there's benefits to, to, you know, waiting to fasting for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. But the actual the actual sweet spot from the most recent studies that I've seen is 12 hours. 12 hours is the magic number. Okay. Um, because where you really start to see the, the health benefits. And by health benefits, what I mean is, is it gives your body during that fasting period a chance to repair itself, to recover. Because digesting is hard work for yes. your body, by the way. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of resources. L- blood flow is diverted to the stomach instead of other places. So by actually doing this intermittent fasting... And 12 hours is nothing, by the way. If you if you make your last meal at, at 6 p.m. or it's 7 p.m. at night, mm-hmm. that's 7, 7 yeah, p.m. That's the next morning, right? That's, that's 12 hours right there. But that means like no alcohol, no, like it's just the only thing you can have is, is water, water. Uh, black coffee, uh, plain tea with no milk in it. Because you don't want anything that's going to create an insulin spike. Mm-hmm in your body but but this is this i've i've tried this and it's really it it does have an impact yeah and it and again it's something that that breaks this notion that you have to be grazing all day long. You have to eat all the time. If the sundown thing is too hard for you, um, then then eat late and and make your first meal of the day like later in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also feel like when I stop eating earlier in the evening, I sleep better. Yeah. I think because my body is not working to break down what I just ate. Right. It's resting and repairing, repairing, like you said. So that definitely easy, something easy you can try, and it will probably make a big impact in how you feel. Look, another great thing to do, because it is it is wintertime, especially here in the Northeast, and, and we're well aware of it. It's it's cold. It's um, cold. <laughs> you know, let, let some of that cold air in, uh, but just a bit. A study published uh, in the journal Diabetes suggests that turning down the heat in winter may actually help you attack belly fat while you sleep. Sounds promising, right? Yeah. Colder temperatures subtly enhance the effectiveness of our stores of brown fat. And that's the fat that keeps you warm by burning through the fat stored in your belly. So literally turns the fat in your belly into a furnace. Love that. Participants who spent a few weeks sleeping in bedrooms with varying temperatures, a neutral 75 degrees, a cool 66 degrees, and a balmy 81 degrees. And after four weeks of sleeping at 66 degrees, those subjects had almost doubled their volumes of brown fat. 
Wow, that's nuts. Right? That's yeah. crazy. So I, I set my thermostat at, at right about at bedtime at 66 um, in hopes that this is this is actually working. And now it's a hard thing. It's it's not like intermittent fasting or the green tea where you'll you'll kind of see and feel. Mm-hmm. It's you're kind of like, I don't know how I measure my brown fat. I guess I don't <laughs> yeah. do it. Um, yeah, but you just have to trust that the, the studies, right. they, they know but what I they're think, talking about. I mean, for me, I sleep better when it's colder because mm-hmm. I'm cozy up under the blanket. Yeah. Like if the room's hot, then it's like you're throwing the blanket off. I'm sweating. That's yeah. disruptive. So, totally. you know, maybe, maybe this helps burn some of that belly fat while you sleep. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And speaking of belly fat, another really simple thing you can do to de-bloat is um, fruit, fruit salad. You know, I mentioned feeling bloated before, which Sounds is... Sounds so simple. Really, yeah, exactly. It's really common this time of year due to rich, salty foods, holiday meals, lots of boozing, whatever it may be. It all causes water retention. And you know what I'm talking about. It's like all of a sudden... It's impossible to zip up those pants. That's, right. that's why That's why I've just been wearing dresses Elastic straight for the last, yeah, comfy pants and dresses. But anyway, working, you know, bloat fighting foods into your diet can ease that discomfort and help you shed that holiday bulge that we, you know, it's very often that we feel it. Foods such as kiwis, honeydew melon, and papaya all contain compounds that kicks your sluggish bowels into gear and fight water retention. So use these fruits in a fruit salad or keep them around the house to just munch on throughout the season. Sm- throw them in a smoothie. smoothie if you're, yeah, if whatever you're going to introduce be. a smoothie in the new year, this is great. And what I like about this is, you know, people don't think about bloat too, too much unless you like, unless you really didn't, are dealing with some significant bloat. But this is, this is such a great way because there's there's an immediate benefit in that by debloating right away, eating these kinds of foods that, that cut the bloat immediately, you automatically feel slimmer, mm-hmm. right? You go one more, one more hole on the belt buckle, the pant, yeah, you, yeah, don't have yeah. to, you know, the pant doesn't kind of like pull as much and that feels good. And you're like, okay, like I feel, I feel better. I'm going to, it's going to have an impact on other decisions that you make over the course of the day, which piles up day after day, week after week. So yeah. this is, this is a quick fix that, that pays off in the long term. For sure. And, and for me, um, females will understand, but like there are certain times of the month you're definitely bloated as well. Papaya is my go-to mm-hmm. and it's on this list, but it always makes me feel fantastic. And there's science behind that as well. It's great. So another another good tip for uh, starting the new year, especially because it is cold, is to to soup it up. You know, get some more get some more soup. Because look, you know how the USDA wants you to get between five and nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day, well, which is hard. It's if hard. You really add it's that. Not, up. You know, especially if if you're if you're new to it, and like if it's going to feel like chomping endlessly on vegetables is is mind numbing. Uh, but soup. Think of it as your extra credit, right? The perfect chaser to a rich holiday meal. It's a well, you know, a well-crafted soup can give you three to four servings of vegetables and fruits, and bang, the fiber will have you feeling satisfied and less bloated. And Again, it soothes your soul. Soothes your, it's warming, right? And and <laughs> it's, it's and it keeps and if you the right kind of soup that has good fiber, protein will really keep, keep you, you full, full. longer. Mm-hmm. So you're going to eat less throughout the day, which is great. Homemade soup is much easier than you think. By the way, it's delicious and better for you. Check out eatthis.com soups that burn fat, and you'll get 20 recipes that will have you feeling fuller and lighter into the new year. Yeah, I, I make homemade soup a lot because. Um, a lot of times get soup, you know, mm-hmm. from a can, you're going to have a ton of sodium. sodium and then it just adds and to anything, bloat and anything. Preservatives. preservatives. That's why like so. soup is, is, is an easy thing to make. Mm-hmm. But it, you don't think about it because it feels like so many ingredients and like whatever. Yeah, but you make do. a big batch and it lasts the That's whole it, week. Right. Yeah. And if you have easy. A, like a slow cooker mm-hmm. or an Instapot or something like that, like it just there, you can find myriad recipes out there. So the next one is to take a stand at work. I'm all about taking a stand. stand. Yeah. So ideally, we sleep about eight hours a day, you know, 
Hopefully you guys are getting close to that. I'm there. Um, I got it. There you go. And people with office jobs can spend another seven to 10 hours sitting at their desk. That means most of us spend the overwhelming majority of our times being sedentary. So studies have found that standing at work burned 50 more calories per hour than sitting. So if you think about it this way, if you stand for just three hours a day, in one year, you'd expend more than 30,000 extra calories, which amounts to eight pounds of fat. Like a that's a big difference. Huge difference. So it's, a, I don't have a standing desk. Some of the, some of yeah. um, our colleagues that eat this, not that have standing desks. It's something I definitely would try in the new year. Yeah. And I, look, I brought these to, to the team there. You did. I started, I started. Where's mine, John? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, thought there were, I thought there were enough there. <laughs> but okay. um, but it's because I did this on, I, I kind of tried this on, on my own and it had an incredible impact. I tried it, the first time I tried it was shortly after Dylan, our second, was was born. And what was great was that, well, it wasn't great at the start because I decided to do it right after he was born. I was exhausted because anyone who has a newborn knows you're not sleeping a lot uh, and work was crazy. So I was like, this is the dumbest idea. What did yeah, I do? You're standing all day and running around right. after a newborn. So, but, yeah. but what I noticed after, after a couple months and the ones that, that we have at the office too are the stand sit. So mm-hmm. you're not like pegged into standing right. all day long, by the way. They have like a hydraulic kind of thing that you can lower and sit for a little bit, stand for 10 minutes every hour, and then lower and sit for the other 50 minutes of that hour. Like that's a smart way to do it because you're going to stand more. And it's it's like the, the Fitbit or the pedometer thing. Yeah. It's like it, it kind of triggers that, that conscious awareness of having a little bit of movement. But when I did it, you know, because I had a newborn and he was my second child and work was crazy, it's hard to get to the gym and kind of take care of yourself. And I really believed that moving to a sit-stand desk helped me keep my, my, my weight in check at that time of year when it's easy for it to kind of get out of check quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't lose a ton of weight, but I didn't gain a ton of weight. It just yeah. kind of kept it like status quo, which is great. So I, I'm a big fan of this. Anything that, that and it, when you sit so long, it's bad for your back. It's bad mm-hmm. for your hip flexors. Those things are tight. So you're going to be more likely to hurt yourself if you're, if you're doing something like, even if it's just pulling bags of groceries out of your trunk of your car, you know, it's just, it's, it engages the core, even as for a few minutes every hour, every day. This is this is something that can go a long way. Another thing that will absolutely go a long way, and a lot of you are not going to want to hear this, um, I'm afraid. You got to kick diet soda. Like, yeah, yeah, it's got zero calories, but diet soda can derail your goals of staying in shape this season. Recent research shows that artificially sweetened beverages may screw up the body's normal metabolic response to sugar actually increasing your appetite, which Mm -hmm. is not something you want to do. Increasingly, diet drinks are being linked with weight gain, metabolic syndrome, and a host of other ills. So avoid them all costs if you can. Yeah, I don't. I don't even touch. No, diet I haven't. Soda. I can't. I can't remember the last. And I used to drink. I forget diet soda. Like I used to drink full test like cola all day long. Um, especially as a kid growing up, and, and when you're younger, you can get away with this a little bit more. But you know, it's easy for that to kind of go out of hand. For whatever reason, I just stopped drinking soda. I don't. I, I don't know what the conscious decision was, but it's like I literally. I can't. I can't think of the last time I had any form of of soda. Me any, any form of cola. Yeah. Crazy. We didn't grow up with it. I don't miss it. it, by the way. Yeah, I don't miss it either. We didn't grow up with it. Once in a while, we would have, on a Friday night, it'd be like pizza and we could have soda. But we were not a soda house. And maybe that, I just never really developed the palate for it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one of the worst things that you could drink every day, for yeah. sure. So kick that habit to the curb. 
Um, another thing you can do is eat three square meals a day, mm -hmm. which again, some research, oh, graze all day, some research intermittent fasting, but don't discount the weight loss potential of eating three squares a day. Mama's right. Mama's right. Um, a recent study put two groups of men on weight gain diets. Weight gain diets, I just said. One group had three small meals with snacks in between, while the second group ate the same number of calories in three square meals. Although both groups gained weight, researchers found that belly fat and which you mentioned, the dangerous kind that mm -hmm. boosts heart disease risk only increased in the high meal frequency group. So that's that's interesting because again, like all this science, all this data, yeah. you don't know what to believe, but hey, why not? Three but, square meals. And it's and this is it's so basic and so simple. And like we have we have become a, a nation of snackers. Yes. Right? Uh, America's definitely and it's because there's a ton of great snack foods out there, right? Yeah. There's all these great easy to eat bars that are packaged and they're nutritious and they're healthy and all this kind of stuff. And look, chances are you don't need a snack. If you eat a good, healthy breakfast, mm -hmm. I don't need to eat for six hours. And here's what's key there is that there are there are some people who actually think that snacking is damaging because it doesn't give your, your body a chance to uh, pause and repair mm -hmm. between meals. So your, your body is in this constant kind of uh, burning calorie mode or, or processing food mode. And it's a cycle that it can't get out of. And so that, you know, messes with your insulin response and that messes with your weight and other health issues. It messes with your energy levels. So what's interesting about this to me is that if you if you say, okay, three square meals a day and forget the intermittent fasting part, forget the sundown tip earlier. Like, like if you focus on this one and say, I'm going to do breakfast and breakfast is at 8 a.m. I'm going to do lunch and lunch is at one and dinner is going to be at six. That's, that's a few hours between each meal. What it forces you to do is be aware of what's happening in those hours. Are you getting hungry? Are you getting hungry an hour after a meal or two hours after a mm -hmm. meal or three hours? And then reassess those meals. Yeah, okay, what are you If eating? I'm hungry an hour right. after breakfast, well, maybe it's because I had a Cinnabon and, you know, this sugary coffee drink. So maybe I need to dial back and address my, my breakfast because you should be able to make it to lunch. You, you really, you really should. And you should be able to make it from lunch to dinner. So if you're not making, if that gap is too hard for you to get through, you know, it's, it's a trigger for you to assess what you're eating. Yeah. And that's, that's why I, I think this is a great tip. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely guilty. I'm a grazer. I'm a snacker. I, I just I just like eating, but um, you know I'm going to make a conscious effort at least a couple of times a day to focus on the quality of the meals I have, and not needing to snack in between. So I'm go. just telling the world right now. There it is. <laughs> I'm going to work down. on it. <laughs> All right. So this is we'll, we'll close it out with this one, and this is one that you know, especially in the winter time, is you know you've heard it before probably, uh, but we really mean it. Get more vitamin D. If there's one supplement most Americans probably should be taking, it's vitamin D. It's essential for preserving uh, metabolism, revving muscle tissue, but researchers estimate that only 20% of Americans actually get enough in their diet, which is really oh, wow. yeah, that's lower really than low. you would have, uh, lower than I thought, by the way. Um, and look, it's, you can, you can nail 90% of your recommended daily intake, uh, which is about 400 international units, which is the IU you see on the bottles or mm -hmm. something like that. It's international units, um, in a three and a half ounce serving of salmon. Oh, that's great. So I eat there salmon you go. all the and time. And there's so many healthy fats, like all yes. this other great stuff that salmon is, is good for. Uh, but taking a, a daily supplement may make a lot of sense, especially in these dark days of winter where we are right now. Uh, other good dietary sources of D, tuna, fortified milk and cereals, and eggs. If, but if the fortified cereals are loaded with sugars, yes. avoid those, by avoid the way. Um, and eggs, by the way. Eggs are a great source of vitamin D and and a great source of protein and choline, which is, and which is great stuff as well. So, so vitamin D, uh, definitely think of it. So look, 
these are all super simple, right? Very this simple. Is, the year doesn't feel so kind of big and and kind of over you know, foreboding anymore. At least at least to me. Hopefully hopefully not to you. And and like we said at the top, like pick one. Mm-hmm. Pick one and say, look, the next seven days, the next the next fourteen days, just just get started. Like get that first step, and and then all the rest of the steps will follow. They'll follow more easily, and hopefully you you kind of enter the year a little bit more energized, inspired, and ready to kind of make some some changes in in the new year and changes for the better, whatever they may be. Like it, it could be, it doesn't have to be weight loss goals. It doesn't have to be health goals. Maybe it's just, you know, spending more time with, with family around the dinner table and cooking is a great way to do that. Maybe it's being more mindful of what you're eating and where it's coming from and, and changing the context of food. And maybe mm-hmm. it is, you know, dropping a f- few pounds or, or getting back into your skinny jeans, in which case, like just eat some of those deep loading foods and exactly. bang, you're, you could be, back you could in be in skinny there. Jeans. So, <laughs> exactly. so there you go. Look, and in the meantime, we hope that you'll keep listening here and subscribe to the podcast. Maybe give us a nice rating and share it with some of your friends that want to start the year off on a great uh, start as well. And for even more information and inspiring info, you can get that at eatthis.com. You can follow us at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And you can subscribe to the new Eat This Not That magazine. Go to the subscribe button on our homepage, eatthis.com, to find out more. And make sure you subscribe right here so you can keep up with the steady flow of mind-blowing food scoops, tips, and discoveries from me, John Hammond, Megan Murphy, and a bunch of experts and guests that will help you eat this, not that. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, go get it.